but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> so what, what do you want to talk about? Um, uh, alligators? This, uh, alligators. Uh, yeah, I put that up this morning. I didn't expect to start off with that, but oh, yeah, okay. Well, so, we're, a little, we're so, a little light on content uh, this week, right, so... Well, uh, so this is what we this is what we've been reduced to is uh, is talking about uh, talking about uh, alligators on runways. But this is a notable runway, right? Why? What was the story, Jeb? Um, well, let me open the link. How's that? Um, dum, 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 dum. Um, MacDill Air Force Base, uh, which is uh, uh, on Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa, Florida. Um, welcome to Alligator Country. Um, they published a picture in Stars and Stripes, actually, um, online, uh, showing, I don't know, I can't tell really how big an alligator this is. It looks like about a six or seven footer from from the angle, but uh, yeah, um, it's, he, was, yeah. I, he was on the flight line. He wasn't on a runway, but he was on the flight line at McDonald's. Oh, he wasn't on a runway. He okay, wasn't, he was wasn't on a runway. Uh, yeah, um, he's, on, he's on a ramp. Yeah, he's on a ramp. Um, um, here's, here's the, here's the, you know, um, I don't know how you, here's the, here's the obvious sentence in this story. Okay. Since gator sightings happen regularly around McDill, Hanner said this alligator likely surfaced from one of the base's bodies of water, which is, Duh. which yeah. exactly, you know, fresh water in, in Florida, you have, uh, alligators. So. Um, Although, they, so that's sort of in the midst of Tampa Bay, but is yeah. that is that land an island or is it sort of no? Sort of it's, a, it's like a pelago or it, kind it, of thing. Peninsula. Yeah, I would think that there would be because there's a really good choke point. Alligators can't do salt water, right? I'm pretty sure that's true, right? Um, well, there are salt water versions. Well, they're called crocodiles. They're called, right? they're, they're called crocodiles. Yeah. Uh, but and caimans, a, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. A, a, alligators have been known to swim short distances in salt water, or at least bra- okay. or at least brackish water. Okay. Well, but my point here is that the only way an alligator gets out there is crossing this neck of land that comes from the quote unquote. I'm making finger quotes mainland. Oh yeah, they've um, they've invaded every corner of the state. Yeah, I understand. Okay. I, you know, <laughs> the first time I ever came to California, and I was still marveling about the whole alligator thing. Um, someone said to me. I said at some point, do you think there's an alligator in that pond? You know, we were driving by a house or whatever. I think there's an alligator in that pond. And someone, it might have been you, Jeb, said, uh, said in Florida, if there's a body of water, there's an alligator. If there's fresh water, there's an alligator. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I've come to recognize that that's accurate. Uh, that there are alligators everywhere. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you can the, even find them on a dinner plate. You know, I've never eaten alligator. Have you? I never have either, and I, I, Get I don't plan to. No, uh-uh. maybe once in a moment no. of weakness that I don't even recall. But uh, no, thanks. That's okay. I'd, I'd yeah. try it for sure. I, I would prefer that it didn't look anything like an alligator when I was eating it. All right, um, you know, like it, I don't want to eat an alligator claw. Like I've, it, I, it, have. it, it won't. Okay, good. If it's just like, <laughs> no, it won't. It's if it's just fillet of alligator, you know, it's like you know, or alligator on a stick, or you know, um, 
I'd try it. I'm not saying I'd necessarily like it. There's your There's your episode title. <laughs> yeah, I know. Alligator right? on a stick. <laughs> Jack, have you ever have you ever had frog legs? Uh, no. I maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, I've had chicken feet, you know, because I'm a Chinese food fan. Um, so I've had, you know, deep fried chicken feet. Um, and that's, you know, I didn't hate it, but it's a lot of work for not very much food. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's so, not a lot of meat on the feet. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, alligator from the alligator I've had, I've heard described is anywhere from tasting like chicken, the old. Yeah, right. Back. Uh, to oh, just frog legs, uh, but bigger. Uh, but it's kind of a sweet tasting meat, and after that, it just depends on how they cook it. And I've had right. it chunked and deep fried. I've had it uh, uh, broiled so that it looked like any other kind of uh, uh, wildlife meat. That you know, you didn't look at it and go, "Oh, gator." No, uh, if they hadn't put a little tag on it, said. This is a gator. This is a chicken. You might not have been able to tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, next time we go to that restaurant, do uh, Jeb? Do, do they on the menu there? Do they have uh, uh, gators and chips? <laughs> <laughs> Let me find out. You know, there, okay. There's this new thing. It's called Google. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How do they? Yeah, right. I mean, do you, I've got to figure that they deep fry gator. I mean, I'm sure they cook it all I'm, kinds of I, ways. It's I meat, suspect right? if not there. Somewhere closer, we'll have alligator. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, not like you yeah. might you might have to you know go by yourself, but um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. No, I think it would be I, uh, fine. It's because it's not like frogs' legs, like David mentioned. You know, because frogs' legs, you know, the 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 fillets, frog fillets, are are going to be so small that you got to cook them in some particular way. It's not like you can have a frog steak, you know. But gator, I got to figure there are big pieces of meat that you get out of a gator. And so you just yeah, the, like anything the, the, like anything else. The tail is supposedly the, the choice part of the... Oh, yeah. Gator tail, man. All right. You know, uh, we get a gateway gator tail and lobster tail. It, uh-huh. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. I, oh, I you're at the you. tiki bar. I forgot. <laughs> I'm at the tiki bar. Uh, so I'm, I've, I've made a resolution to try and mute my microphone as much as possible when the train goes by this time. But I was talking when it went by that time. Um, That's, so anyways, that, I was trying to... Yeah, that seafood restaurant, I'm looking at their menu. I don't see the word alligator on here. Yeah. They have shrimp. Uh, I'd, I'd so much ga- prefer the shrimp over the alligator. Thank you very much. So with the alligator, I guess. Well, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we haven't heard from the shrimp yet either. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you guys or keep my, talking. Or There's or a, a train coming, and then I'm going to do something. Uh-oh. Yep, that did it. <clears throat> Jack is immutable. Jack no, is... Okay, clearly you guys don't get it, right? Your job today, your job this morning, is when you see the little Jack has muted his mic light go on, you have to keep talking, all right? Um, so, uh, anyways... Okay. I think that's it. Yeah, because yeah. I because I have that tab open all the, all the time in front of me when we're doing. Well, this. okay, I I take I understand that part, uh, but uh, anyways, Gator on the runway, Gator uh, on the runway, which got went really ugly with Gator food and then Frog food. Well, it, and, what they got rid of it? What I don't know how they did this because yeah, you know, well, do they have a Gator Wrangler well, on staff? Well, I would apparently, think. they they just drove a front end loader out and somehow lured it into. 
the front end loader. I, how I dumb do you, how dumb do you have to be to willingly crawl into the bucket of a front end loader? I yeah, I really can't imagine the Gator going for that. But uh, you know, unless they've somehow subdued it, um, you know. I, I was actually all kidding aside. I was thinking, you know, so you know, a big creature like that on the runway or on the on the, the uh, pavement when you needed to go, you know, like if there was a scramble, you know. Um, at, I wonder at what level, what are, what are the rules, what are the gator rules of engagement I'm, in I'm terms of I'm destroying sure, the gator? I'm, I'm sure know? it's go out there, shoot it, and drag it off. That's yeah, and but but there's got to be a threshold, okay, because it's like, first of all, there's laws, and second of all, there's public opi- public the, opinion. The, the state, and, and state, it, state law is not going to apply on a military base. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, that's, that's probably true. But, you know, it's like there's, uh, you know, I mean, certainly if there was an emergency, if there was like uh, a scramble, if there was genuinely a national, you know, a military, you know, emergency or whatever, then the the Gators got to go. All right. But if it's just a drill or if it's just a, you know, or whatever, um, I wonder what the threshold is, I guess is my point. But, uh, you being a Florida man, don't particularly care, right? The Gator can go anytime. You got to think that an aircraft taxiing by to take off would, uh, get the Gators attention. And when the, when, when the aircraft is on the far side of the gator and the gator sees nothing and hears nothing but tailpipe noise, it, it might move. But might after move. that, it'd be moot question. Well, you, know, you could do, you, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say you could once you get the airplane in the proper position, you could uh, you know use jet blast on it and uh, kind of move it that way. Now, see or, the animal or, rights people are going to yell at me there. Yeah, Never mind. Yeah. Or take batter it and batter it and put it on a stick behind the jet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or, That's put. You, yeah, you know, you, a lot of military bases have um, what are called gate sentries. They'll have an old yeah. old retired airframe stuck up on a pedestal. Oh, yes. Okay. And so I propose that McDill um, stick an, uh, uh, an alligator up on a pedestal out front also. You think that would function as some sort of scarecrow thing, you know, where it would, like, uh, frighten know, the alligators away? If they did thing? it right, they could use it as a, as a windsock or wind you know, It's like in the old days. That's why they put Ned, Ned Stark's head on a spike out front to, to – to oh, never mind. See, I was trying to make a Game of Thrones reference here because it's Game of Thrones weekend um, in the world. All right. I think we've now, you know, we've, we've, we've discovered that it's true. There really is nothing to talk about on this story. We've milked this for about all it's worth, and we still can't come up with a segue into welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Aerospace, the <laughs> right. General Aviation Podcast. That's exactly right. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm coming to you from uh, the, the magical and mystical uh, Lucky Star Tiki Bar in Menlo Park, California, where I'm the uh, guest of Will Hawkins again, and... Uh, um, and uh, enjoying my little week out here in California. Although I was, I was mentioning before we push record that uh, the weather out here is kind of weird, um, and uh, uh, it's it's at literally forecast to rain every day while I'm out here. Which anybody knows Calif- Northern California climate or Bay Area climate knows how unusual that is, how weird that is. But uh, but nevertheless, it's nice, and I'm enjoying the the hospitality of of, uh, of Will and. Uh, that's a lot of fun. So I'm sitting here in the bar and talking to my uh, two good friends here on uh, on our uh, our aviation podcast. Uh, one of those voices out there is from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. That's Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning, Jack. Uh, I know it's a lot earlier for you than it is for me. It is a little bit early out here. Where it's uh, we we are recording at our normal 10 a.m. Eastern time, but out here in California, that means it's 7 a.m. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, not only early in the morning, but in, in, at peak rush hour. 
So the trains that go right behind, uh, long-time listeners will remember this from the past, that uh, there's a train track, uh, the big commuter rail thing in here in the Bay Area, goes right along uh, Will's backyard. And so the trains will repeatedly. I'm going to try and mute them out this time, but uh, it's going to be unavoidable. It we already has we not only cover aviation, but we also yep. cover rail transportation. Too. That's right. You know, because we should get Fred Johnson on the episode when I when we do do these from the Lucky Star Tiki Bar, because uh-huh. he's the one who does uh, air rail images. Uh-huh. He does both both airplane and train uh, uh, YouTube videos. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, anything going on on there in Florida, Jeb? Are you having fun? <sighs> <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call it fun, uh-huh. but I've I've been busy tackling uh, non-work related projects for a few days. Now, so. Last week, um, and I don't know if we talked about this in the regular episode or in the after show, yeah. but you you announced to us that uh, you're going to be an uncle again, or you are an uncle again, um, with the cranes out on the island. How is there a report? Is um, there, I hope there's not sad news. I don't have any news. Um, okay. Um, as far as I can tell, things are proceeding nominally. Um, right. Oh, it, that's right. They hadn't been born yet. They were sitting no, on the eggs. No, they, they were still incubating. Okay. Um, I'm told, whatever research I came across, that the typical incubation period is 28 to 32 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe all of this started on or about April twenty. So do the math. So we're getting there. We're any, we're cl- any, we're, any week, we're about yeah. five or so days out. Uh, the part of the part of the reason for my uncertainty here, the, the as far as I can tell, there's still a um, a uh, crane sitting on the nest. Okay. Um, but the grass has grown up so high that I can't see much detail other than that. Okay. And I, right. I obviously can't get out there and mow the mow the grass while the while, yeah. while they're nesting. So. So, well, that's, that's a good sign, I guess, if someone's sitting it, it, out there. I, I don't have any, you know, I, I can't make any predictions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially, about, good- especially about the future. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, predictions about the past, that's, you know, anybody can do that. Yeah. Uh, my other good friend here in our virtual hangar this morning is uh, from the air capital of the world, uh, uh, wet and wild, although apparently not so wet recently, uh, Wichita, Kansas. Good morning, David. How are you doing? David Higdon. Doing so far, so far. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we talked about this last time, uh, Midwest is getting some crazy weather this, this spring. Um, but you're saying that it's been, you know, it's about to be dry enough for the guy to come and cut your grass was what you were. Yeah, we've had, uh, we've had six, six days of, uh, well, almost no precipitation. Uh, I guess it was Tuesday night. It drizzled in the middle of the night, just hard enough to make this street shine in the street lights uh, got it yeah. but it was all dry when i went out to get the paper off the front of the front yard so yeah we've we we in most of the midwest have had uh more than our fair share of liquid precip and all you got to do is tune in the weather channel and see where they're predicting the flooding and the storms to come next yeah <laughs> david how's the weather um the, so we were talking about the weather the uh the uh um uh, the forecast the national weather makes it look like you're going to hit get some big storms out there but you're saying no well the weather channel is just uh and and weather underground are both saying that we're in a big broad zone from texas up into nebraska and uh, uh iowa that is high probability for big storms this weekend yeah uh 
Yeah. You know, that and five bucks will get you a Starbucks. (laughs) Weather's been funky down here, too. Normally, this time of year, we'll have uh, a lot more sunshine. Um, And I don't know, the last five, six days, there's always been something of an overcast. There's always been at least 50% cloud coverage, and it's getting old. Yeah, I mean the weather's funky all over, isn't it? Um, it's it's a sign of the times, I guess. Yeah. But uh, anything well, else going well, on, Dave? Yeah. Not a, not a whole lot. Uh, buried in work, uh, grateful for it. But uh, uh, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to try to knock out my sixth piece for the week, and then not come back into the office until Monday. Mm-hmm. You going to do something fun, or you don't even want to tell us? Don't tell us. It's well, like our business. What, all right, what's her name? The hussy. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got laundry. I got oh, housekeeping. Man. I got a whole bunch of business housekeeping to do. Uh, uh, I'd like to get the bike out, yeah. but uh, yeah. we'll see how that yeah. works out against the weather because they're talking about it coming in tomorrow. Yeah, I've been in yeah. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. The weather's supposed to. So, anyways, all right. Well, that's enough. We've. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've exhausted well, well, uh, the. Uh, well, welcome to the uncontrolled weather podcast. Yeah, I know. Really, more than ever, huh? Um, let's see now. One follow up. That's a non follow up. I'm just going to say it's, it's, this is a this is a, 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 a generalissimo Franco joke here because the 737 Max is still broken. All right. Uh, there's no new news here. It's just a mess. And, uh, Still and hanging seem... on in his fight to remain grounded. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all kidding aside, there's nothing new to talk about there, right? It's no, just there really isn't. Um, um, the acting administrator of the FAA testified on Capitol Hill about this yesterday. Yeah, they beat him up pretty they good. They beat him up and... pretty good. He, he kind of sort of deserved it, um, but... Um, a lot of that was, was, uh, anyway, um, but well, somebody's but now, trying to, now there's also apparently, uh, progress on a nomination for FAA administrator full time. And that's that, uh, Delta airlines pilot. Right. I, I forget I his, I I forget his that name. Was a- I shouldn't say this in today's political climate. I was going to say that that was going to be a no-brainer, that that was just going to sail through because uh, – but Nothing – no. Yeah, and, yeah and, I know. And, and not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so. There's been well, – I don't, I don't want to get into that. Never mind. Yeah, no. no listen, I, don't, I don't want to get but, into that. But uh, Congress did beat up on the uh, acting ad- admin the other day. Um, and somebody is – I don't I, – I, I kind of haven't tracked every in, intimate detail of the story lately. But uh, – there's a there's a school that's trying to hang this all on the foreign pilots, all right, saying that this is really just you know kind of an issue with uh, with you know non U.S. trained pilots being not well trained. Yeah, which I, I, I strikes me as being not fair. I think that's I think that ship has sailed. Um, um, there early on there was a, a um, undercurrent if you will, that these were foreign pilots. They were not as good as uh, uh, U.S. pilots for some reason, unspecified. Um, So that's kind of sort of been disproved since, um, to our knowledge anyway, there haven't been any U.S. airspace instances 
of the events leading up to these, the supposed events leading up to these crashes. Um, that's not to say that, you know, there wasn't a lack of, uh, uh, uh the, sp- the spirit of, uh, of furthering aviation safety here. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. No one else right. does either. Well, obviously there haven't been any crashes, um, but and and not well, to, well, the fleet's crowded, so it's kind of hard to to but, crash. But prior to that, wasn't there a story about there being um, an incident where they had to do this correction? They there, figured it out before and, and, before the Lion Air accident, before the first accident, uh, the same airplane had oh, yeah, right. had so, had uh, displayed yeah. uh, an AOA disagree or something. And got into a roller coaster kind of thing. That crew recovered. Yeah. Whether they had been trained to recover it or they got lucky, I don't think we know. Right. Uh, There's data. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, there is data on the accident aircraft, uh, on the accident flight. Uh, And I think the the FDR stored data on that flight also. But uh, the data on the accident flight, the, the, the um, flight, da- uh, flight data recorder traces are just are just um, heinous. Uh, um, see what, what it, you know? It's just it's just oh my god! It's a nasty. It was a nasty situation. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Yeah, David. Anything you want to add to this before we uh, move on? I think there's more to come. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I think there's more to come. You think the, you think? Okay. Yeah. All right it, then. And, and it's not more 737 so. Uh, uh, wait a minute now. What what does that mean? But it's related. Yeah, I wouldn't be the least uh, bit surprised. Okay. Uh, you're, you're not going to elaborate on that elaborate on that today? Not. Okay. You heard it here for or you didn't hear it here first, folks. Um uh moving on. Moving um, on. Another tragedy. Another tragedy. Uh, the, this is a, this is a sad situation. I guess in some ways it's these things happen. But uh, so two uh, two uh, passenger carrying float planes um, had a midair and uh, yeah. in up in Alaska. Yeah. And uh, um, actually, yeah, was it in Alaska? It yeah, was, it was, was near Ketchikan, Alaska. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and uh, did did they both? Go down hard, or did one recover and land? I've never. Quite they both went. They both went down hard. One of them um, in more control than the other one. Um, there were. F- I'm, I'm reading the Anchorage Daily News uh, uh, coverage on this. Mm-hmm. Um, all five aboard a De Havilland uh, Beaver on floats um, yep. were killed, and one yep. one person in the other airplane, which is. Uh, which was a bigger plane, uh, uh, as I understand. To Havilland, to Havilland Otter, yeah, uh, with ten passengers aboard. Uh, one person on that airplane died. So there was, you know, some relative control. Uh, okay. That plane it, apparently uh, flew on for um, uh, s- several miles. Oh, really? Okay. So the uh, I'm, so, I'm reading this wrong. Scratch that. Never mind. Okay, so the story I'm looking at is from uh, NBCNews.com, uh-huh. where they say that uh, the they and this is from two days ago though, so I don't know what the latest is. Yeah, it is says cool. four dead and two missing. Yeah, it's six now. They found the they found the, the missing two. It's it's yeah, six okay. total. They've accounted for everybody on both airplanes. Um, 
I, I'm out of things to say right now, so we'll yeah. just we'll just snip so, this. But uh, so I, I don't, I you know, NTSB is up there. Um, they sent a board member, which is is not unheard of, but is not common for um, GA midair collisions of this type. Mm-hmm. Um, have, have you read anything about the circumstances of this? What What was the nature of flight at the time? It, of these the... were both tour operators, uh, um, probably booked through a cruise ship that had had docked in Ketchikan earlier in the day. These were all, except for the two pilots, these were all cruise ship passengers getting a tour right. of the Ketchikan area by floatplane. So, do we believe that they were just sort of at, you know, in cruise, so to speak, or you know, I mean, just flying along? They weren't climbing out or landing, is my question. They were sightseeing. They were they were, they were out sightseeing. Um, I'm looking at the Anchorage Daily News story, here's a here's a quote, apparently uh, from the NTSB. The two planes converged between 3,200 and 3,300 feet on the west side of the George Inlet. Um, adding later that there is no way to make assumptions about the cause of the collision based on that preliminary information. Okay. We still have to recover the airplanes, and, and then we have to look at those. It takes some significant work to really understand how the two planes together, came together. That's exactly right. They, and it's, it's, um, I, I presume these are all above sea level altitudes as opposed to uh, above ground level. I think in that area, they're, the, they're both the same uh, right. over this inlet. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. One, one of the things that's going to be looked at, I'm sure, is um, the regulation of these tour operators. Um, okay. Uh, the, the train- I mean, is there any is there any indication at all that there was there was ca- that it was too casual or, or none none whatsoever? Yeah. Right. But I'm sure yeah. that's going to be one of the elements and. This is not the first time something like this has happened, although it's 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 yeah. been a while in my memory. So I don't know. You know, yeah. this is another one of those we'll wait and see things. You know, well, we, it, it's recommendations after an accident like this can can come in the form of urging the FAA to coach these tour carriers mm-hmm. to adopt a standard route or a standard pattern exactly. for going through someplace like the sound there, the George Inlet. So that, that you know, it's just not free form. You come in from whatever direction you feel like or whatever direction is the easiest and fastest and set it up so that there's an entry point and an exit point and everybody goes in the same direction. That won't preclude this from happening again, but it will eliminate a couple of the, uh, conditions that have contributed to these kind of accidents in the past as long as everybody follows the rules of the, of the ridge as we used to say uh, but unless somebody comes up with a you know a uh, a video of from inside one of the airplanes it's, it's, we're going to depend on what the witnesses remember in uh, describing to the investigators how this you know how this came together no pun intended yeah, yeah. I, I remember from my flight training days that there was it was sort of you know black humor, if you will, about uh, sightseeing planes looking at at um, mooses, you know, <laughs> kind of up in Sierra and whatnot, right, and right. Uh, um, and that this was known to be a very dangerous situation in flight when you were doing sightseeing, or even just you know, I mean, whether it was commercial sightseeing or just on your own, and uh, and you uh, 
um, and you saw something on the ground that you wanted to kind of look at over you know, a longer period of time, the inclination is just go and circle it somehow. Um, the problem is that if it's interesting enough, there might be somebody else in the area circling it. And so it kind of it, 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 it attracts um, people uh, to uh, airplanes together. And so uh, um, they, they talked about there being, uh, I've looked it up re- since then, and I can't find, I actually thought that it was like something in the aim, but it turns out I can't find it. For the, what? The, what to... for, for a standard procedure when you are viewing a moose on the ground. The, the phrase I kept hearing was, turns about a moose, all right? <laughs> um, and, and that there well, was, a, there was a, a formal procedure. And there may oh, well be an... Oh, isn't that, isn't that that famous bullwinkle maneuver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think maybe there's some sort of unwritten procedure in these kinds of areas that, you know, it's like the sightseeing folks all agree that if we're going to make circles around a, a notable point, we're going to do it as, sure. I don't know, left, left-hand turns. And, and, or, and some of these are, are, are published officially. Some of these these are just local local knowledge. And, and one of the things that I would expect uh, from um, that airspace or expect in that airspace would be these two are uh, operating, these two are pilots anyway, talking to each other on a discrete frequency and giving position reports and, and, and saying their intentions and just trying to keep the, 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 uh, uh, the information flowing. And uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if these two pilots knew each other. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. They're, they're, sure. They were um, they were for, with different operators, but that didn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, and the worst thing you want to hear. I mean, the guys could have been working uh, together and talking together for a long time. Yeah. But the one thing you never want to hear uh, when you got two airplanes flying in the same general vicinity is, "Wow, I've lost sight of you." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. anyways. Uh, tragedy up in Alaska with these two float planes, and uh, you know maybe we'll get some lesson out of you know, when they learn more about the circumstances. Very, very, well, and, and, and I'm curious about one thing here, and it, yeah, you guys might remember back years ago before ADSB became a, a, a hanger hold name uh, that we had a uh, as hang on, shut up, uh, that did it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> sorry. Right. There was something uh, going on in Alaska uh, that the uh, Federal Aviation Administration was testing this new technology for tracking aircraft and for giving pilots uh, in the cockpit weather and traffic uh, information that they could use. Uh, it was called Capstone. Mm-hmm. And it led up. Yeah. It led up to the ADSB system that we now have becoming mandatory here in January. And in the capstone process, the FAA supplied all these aircraft, GA and air carrier that were local to the state, with the hardware and the display screens to participate in the capstone project. And I'm wondering whether these aircraft might still have those systems in there because they're basically what we're putting in our airplanes down here now. Well, I, I, and if so, yeah. that would give us some information on how they were flying and, and oh, okay. what and, and tracks on their routes. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, from what the uh, Anchorage Daily News is quoting or saying uh, that the uh, uh, NTSB board member had to say about this, um it seems clear that they had at least radar, if not ADSB data, on at least one of the airplanes. 
Okay. And if they had radar out there. I'd be surprised if they had radar. Well, it could have been radar as fed by the ADSB out signal. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. if they've got ADSB on board the aircraft, both of them, uh, then there's a record of it somewhere. Um, whether it's it was received by a satellite, uh, uh, one of these newfangled satellites is doing this, or um, via normal FAA ground station. But, uh, but there's hope that we'll have some kind of definitive finding. Well, there it's, is. It's just going to take a while. There is. And, uh, you know, um, Alaskan aviation is, is different from anywhere else in the U.S. Yeah, by, that's by, the by truth, a big, By a big margin. And uh, uh, some of these areas, some of these um, um, areas that are attractive to tourists up there um, are just beehives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, we may return this one. We will return. We learn a little bit more. Yeah. We'll probably and, and uh, thoughts and pass it thoughts along. and uh, um, best wishes to family and friends of those uh, yeah. that didn't make it. Yep, sad situation. In, in the meantime, our uh, our uh, condolences to the four families that lost somebody yeah. in it, and uh, to the rest of you who survived. Congratulations! You now belong to a very small club. Yeah, yeah. Um. This next story, I, I just put this on the list. This is not a big story. I don't know if this, maybe there's something to talk about here, but I, I just found it notable. This is almost a shout out. Um, so uh, there was a story in uh, AvWeb. Uh, I, I saw it in the AvWeb Flash, which is the uh, daily e- uh, email they send out. That uh, John Wayne Airport in Orange County, California, which is sort of near Anaheim, uh, have uh, have have, uh, have plans to improve the GA facility. All right, there at the airport. And and I just kind of like one of that's a good for you, John Wayne, yeah. Orange County Airport, um, because this is a qual this is a, a a fairly big. It's not a Bravo Airport, all right, but but this is a fairly busy, active commercial airline airport. Uh, there's a lot I've flown into this is I go into this two or three times a year for my work, and uh, um, this is a, a very active airline airport, uh, and um, this is the kind of airport that you often hear trying to crush GA. Um, and trying to send GA away. I mean, the one that comes to my mind is San Jose, California, mm-hmm. where they would just as soon have no GA at all. The same as yeah, Santa Monica. They just want the, they just want the airport well, to go away. Santa Monica, of course, is a different kind of case right. because there's no airlines at Santa Monica. But uh, so, anyways, um, yeah, John. So this is what is the story? Avweb. Uh, uh, it does say, although local residents continue to object, officials at John Wayne Orange County Airport uh, have recommended a project to add a third FBO to the facility, as well as upgrade its decades-old GA infrastructure. Um, so uh, I just, you know, you know, credit where credit is due. This is an airport that's not trying to kill GA. Now, admittedly, in their case, in their minds, GA is probably business jets because it is that that kind of a neighborhood. Um, but, uh, you know, any airport, any any airline airport of any size that's not trying to kill GA is is a good thing, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. Any, any I, thoughts on this? Uh, um, no, I mean, everything you just said. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, great to have a win on something like this. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's rare to have an airport of that size with three FBOs. So yeah, that increased competition, depending on the contract that the uh, FBOs have with the uh, the uh, county people that run the airport, it may actually introduce a new element of competition, mm-hmm. or it may just mean that there's a third FBO with the same fuel prices as everybody else. And, and I'm and I'm actually 
right before we got on, I, I uh, was doing a um, kind of a frantic, are you kidding me, uh, uh, search. I, I'd gotten an email this morning uh, I, via uh, old timers listening to the podcast will remember the DC pilots list. I uh, got an email this morning from them, kind of an offhand comment by somebody about Dulles Aviation uh, having closed. Dulles Aviation has been a long time FBO at um, at Manassas. At Manassas, at Manassas. Not, not Dulles. They, they, the they started out at Dulles right, okay. and, and yep. expanded to Manassas. When I first uh, got to know them, um, they had both facilities open at the time. Mm-hmm. And I've trained with them. I've uh, gotten maintenance from them. I've parked with them. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually had a had a few dollars on account uh, with them, and apparently they have closed their doors. They, they have. I, I, well, that's too. It bad. really is. I'm 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 still trying to verify this, but they've been removed from the air nav uh, page on the airport, and their website is still up. But that, that none of that tells me anything. I've asked for clarification, and there I am. Now, there is there another FBO there? Yeah, there's there's oh, yeah. because um, um, Manassas is a pretty big GA airport, as I it is. There's you know two parallel runways. Um, yeah, two parallel runways. Yeah, as opposed to one parallel runway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but at least you didn't say that in tangent was exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's a big FBO on the other side of the field that, that has sprung up. You know, hell, the, the whole other side of the field has sprung up since I started flying out of there back in the 80s so, or mm-hmm. 70s or 80s. So yeah. who, who knows? Yeah. So anyways, well. Uh, anyway, I, if all this is true, uh, uh, thanks uh, to uh, uh, all the Toms that work there, uh, uh, Tom Adams especially, um, for all their help and, and uh, courtesy and service over the years. Uh, good yeah. good luck to y'all. Right, yeah. And, uh, and congratulations to John Wayne Airport. Good for you. Um, uh, thanks for supporting GA at some level. So this next one, um, I don't know, this is bizarre. I, I, I sort of half-jokingly refer to this as an off-field landing of the week, but uh, it's... Uh, so uh, let's see now, what's this story from? Let me actually open oh, it Oh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, GA uh, from News. GA News's uh, pilot mistakes wheat field for runway. The pilot of a tailwheel equipped Fairchild 24 uh, Romeo reported that during the approach to land on a grass airstrip in Catlett, Virginia, um, he avoided po- power line. Wait a minute. Okay, yeah, he avoided power lines on buildings that were located on the approach uh, end of what he perceived to be the runway. Um, but before the landing flare, he realized that it wasn't a runway, it was a wheat field, um, and, uh, and didn't manage to get power back on in time, and his, his, his gear went down and touched the, the, uh, the crop, and uh, that slowed him down enough that he, he came to arrest. He came, he, he came, he came to rest inverted. Yeah, he that's flipped a pretty, over. That's a pretty wicked fast stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, what's, uh, let's see now, it's a wheat field. And so wheat is, I, I'm not a farmer guy, so. Uh, um, Wheat's but, tall uh, enough to screw up your landing gear. Yeah, so. This is definitely an off-field landing of the week. The fact that it was intended to be a landing, but wasn't intended to be off-field, doesn't yeah. change that fact. No, no yeah, I, right? I think it's immaterial. 
Yeah. Well, maybe it's a new category. This will be the wheat field landing of the week. All right. And or uh, the uh, how about the unintended landing of the week? The unintended landing. <laughs> we would have a hard time coming up with one of those every week. I think. I don't know. Oh, I think. Maybe. I think in Florida alone, <laughs> we'd be we'd be in good shape. Well, that's true. Florida is a special case, but yeah. So. Uh, Let's see now. The uh, substantial damage was sustained to the engine mounts, the rudder, the vertical stab, the wing strut. Yeah, well, you flip over, it's gonna ha- things are going to happen. Well, and he flipped over with some force. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you start talking about having uh, – if you ever look at the Stearman engine mounts, I mean, they're bloody huge pieces of tubing. Uh, to do damage to that could be compression damage from the prop hitting the nose uh, or hitting the ground, but uh, – but, uh, let me cover this up. One one thing this article uh, doesn't do is tell us wh- what kind of injuries the pilot might have sustained. He obviously mm-hmm. lived through it, but it doesn't say, and it could be the fault of the NTSB uh, report. Just didn't right. have that information. Yeah, typically so, they do. Let me open this and see. Yeah, this is a so this is a, a regular feature that GA News does um, every week or issue or whatever, where they, they highlight a particular NTSB report that's been, usually it's been closed out. And so uh, they're kind of quoting from the probable cause yeah. um, um, thing, yeah. which I like, you know, these probable cause, and Jeb, you read way more of these than I do. I, I right? write way more of these than you do. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but here um, they're quoting the probable cause. I'm not, I'm reading from GA News, not from the actual NTSB document, but it says the, same the probable cause is the pilot's selection of an unsuitable landing area, all right, which resulted in the airplane hitting the wheat stocks and subsequent nose over. But the, the pilot's selection of a suitable landing area. Yeah. Or an, the pilot's selection of an unsuitable landing area. I don't think he... Yeah, okay. I guess he did select it. Well, this yeah. this accident's two years old. It was May 2017. Yeah. And, well, and, and I misspoke. I said Stearman when I meant Fairchild. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah. But the same thing would happen in a Stearman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a, under the same circumstances. It, it pretty much happened in anything, especially a tail driver. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The one yeah. exception might be a retractable gear airplane where you're <clears throat> about to do a gear up landing. Yeah. At least you wouldn't have wheels down there to tangle up in the wheat shocks. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, Shark skin. And, and if, sure. if you're lucky, when the, when the airplane's repaired and back in the air, you'll have a smell of warm bread wafting throughout the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. That's the way it's going to work. Uh, we uh, Let's see now. Um, this next story is kind of interesting, and um, I think it was Dave mentioned in the notes here that he thought this is an old story. I think you're right, David. I think I've heard this story, too, before. So it's a, 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 this is from a website called Simple Flying, which I am not familiar with them, so I can't really speak to how reputable this is. Um, but the story, the headline is, Exciting New, quote, Shark Skin, unquote, Technology to Cut Aircraft Fuel Usage. And... Uh, uh, two giants of German engineering have joined forces to market their revolutionary drag-reducing LEAF technology, L-E-A-F technology, laser-guarded tree. So apparently, they basically. I mean, I mean, I, I, this is this is this is plausible to me. Um, they apparently cut ridges of some sort, or put ridges, or put some sort of texture on the uh, the uh, surface of the aircraft, and this reduces drag. Um, on the and, on the, they call them riblets. The little yeah. grooves, and they go on the top layer of paint. Uh, now, yeah, aircraft paint on airliners is uh, is not particularly thick, but apparently it's thick enough for this uh, 
technology that you're using in which the lasers create the patterns of grooves on on, on the uh, top layer of paint. Uh, but I don't know, 20 years ago, NASA, I believe it was, was experimenting with uh, uh, the, the similar idea that the uh, that the little uh, etchings on the surface of a wing could do for an aircraft what the similar patterns do on the skin of a shark, which is reduce its uh, hydrodynamic drag. Right. So that it moves through the water more easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take a look at a lot of the sharks. They're not exactly as svelte and streamlined as dolphins and uh, uh uh, what's the other one? Uh, dolphins. Porpoises. And porpoises. Yeah, I was waiting on porpoise. Uh, but this—he <laughs> this, has a hard time rema- remembering the name of a common animal. But the puns just pop into his mind. <clears throat> Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It, it anyway. reminds me of an old joke. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, David, <laughs> dolphins and porpoises. Yeah. Well, the, 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 what the uh, what the researchers have found here is that there's, there's a, a drag reduction potential uh, of about ten percent. That's, that's huge. Yeah, it is huge. It is huge. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned dolphins and porpoises. Uh, this is the story I'm remembering from some time ago that uh, that you know dolphin researchers discovered. I forget how exactly, but they discovered that one of the ways that dolphins are able to swim as fast through the water as they do. Um, is apparently the, the their the surface of their skin actually changes shape as they swim, and it kind of creates grooves and uh, ridges and whatnot in such a way that it reduces drag. And they were saying they might be able to apply that kind of technology to aircraft skins too. Um, that seemed like more than just these little micro ridges that, that this story refers to. But yeah, this is cool technology. I mean, they already have uh, you know, changing the, one of the reasons why I find this so plausible is that we know for a fact that doing weird things to energize the flow of air over a wing will make the wing perform better. A la the little the little tabs, the little little you know metal um, ridges that they'll put on the towards the trailing edge of a wing, um, and. Uh, so yeah, Vor- I'm buying vortex this. generators. And- there you go. Thank, thank you. Yes. So I'm buying this totally. Um, um, when can we get a coat of paint that uh, you can put on the uh, on the just, uh, just use the a Debbie? Just use a brush. Yeah. Well, you know what you could do. Just get, yeah. Okay. Get a brush. <laughs> he probably just needs. The, he probably just Took needs you a while laser. To get that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. All right. Okay. All right. There's another train. I hear a train coming. I don't know what. What's the next story uh, here? Uh, I hear yeah. the train a coming. David, this was yours. Are we done with the shark thing? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Then I'm unmuted. All right. Do, right. do I hear. do I get another fish now? No, no. But, but I'm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. We'll just stop and listen to the train go by. There we go. I hear the train coming. It's rolling around the bend. Oh, that was. A, oh, that's oh, no, even. That's even. Folsom, Folsom Prison's up in that neighborhood. Uh, it, I mean, relative to where you are, yeah, it's it's a couple hours drive away, but yeah, it's it's over there in, in past Sacramento. Uh, David, uh, uh, the issue, the latest issue of Callback has some stuff in it that you thought was interesting. I mean, it's always interesting, but you you called our attention to something here. Oh, I just like the uh, the, the the theme of the whole thing: uh, critical equipment failures, and these are some interesting one-off situations that uh, 
are not like some things repeatable and they, 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 the respondents or the people involved were nice enough to share all this information with us, unlike some airline company makers we know. <laughs> so it, it's worth a read through. You got a uh, Cessna Cardinal who uh, had a problem with his flight control uh, that could have been fatal. It wasn't an Airbus A321 captain who was uh, surprised when uh, the uh, aircraft started to do things uh, on its own without his input. Sound familiar? Uh, let's take a look at it. It's a quick read. It's always educational. Mm-hmm. And you can see where all these reports come from. For March of 2019, for example, the report intake was... 5,373 reports from air carrier and air taxi pilots, 1,355 from GA pilots, 908 from flight attendants, 519 from controllers, 291 from military and other. What would the other be? Uh, 248 from mechanics, 117 from dispatchers. March alone generated 8,811 reports to call back. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, a lot of guys out there, there, a lot of people pouring their hearts out. Yeah. Largely because there's also an accompanying get out of jail free card in the event uh, that uh, the FAA tries to start an enforcement action against you after you've submitted your report. Right, right. And, and, and that's not, not 100% a- out of jail, but there are some circumstances where yeah. the out of jail card doesn't work. And this callback thing is not something that you you and, and and we receive because we get press releases. This is a publicly available thing. You can subscribe to this and get it as an email, or can you still get it as paper? In the day, I remember back in the day, you could get it as a paper newsletter. I, I, that's uh, how I started getting it, but I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah, I, think, I think they yeah, stopped that. They don't do paper. But, uh, yeah. years ago. But this is free. You can go to uh, NASA's Aviation Safety Reporting System website. Uh, sign up for it, and it'll drop into your e- email box every month with your choice of uh, reading options. You can download it and print it. Uh, you can download it and read it on your computer. Uh, you can convert it to a PDF and have it tattooed on your navel, uh, <laughs> whatever suits your reading habits. But yeah. it's always worthwhile, yeah. and it never takes me more than 15 minutes to read one. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I want to read another one because it's like Chinese food. Like it leaves me hungry for more. <laughs> I see. Okay. Uh, Jeb, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, except that uh, uh, ASRS is, is a goldmine of information of, of how we continue to find new and inventive ways to break and bend airplanes. Yeah. Um, but um, um, they're doing, a good, they're doing a, a, a good service here by publishing this. But as Dave correctly points out, <clears throat> if you even think there's a hint – that there might be uh, uh, an enforcement action against you. Uh, it, it's possible that filing an ASRS report will get you out of jail free one, yeah. one time anyway. Um, right. Don't don't be the guy that needs to do it twice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the punchline is there. There's not only a, an informational benefit, but there's also a practical benefit to this. Right. Right. So okay. 
reaching the end of our allotted time here. Uh, uh, shout outs. Although uh, while you guys are trying to organize your thoughts for shout outs, I will do uh, uh, one little bit of uh, actually two little bits of uh, podcast business. Um, and, and that is uh, it's it's still a little ways off, but Oshkosh uh, Air Venture is coming up and uh, and uh, UCAP will be there. Um, we're going to be there uh, with uh, our regular things we've been doing for years, which is the uh, the uh, daily episodes uh, uh, most every day during the uh, week uh, or the extended week because we'll start well before the opening day, um, as well as our big uh, Sunday morning live show from uh, the uh, uh, announcer stand out on the flight line um, that will be live streamed on uh, on uh, EAA radio. This year, we're also uh, doing a new thing, which we're calling UCAP Live, which is a, uh, a pair of live audience episodes that we're going to be doing uh, on one on Tuesday morning and one on Friday morning uh, from the Home Builders Headquarters building. Uh, they're out very near the flight line um, and in the midst of the brand new uh, uh, improved uh, outdoor exhibits area down there. Uh, so uh, we're going to be doing two live audience uh, live audience episodes, and we would love to meet with you folks. Uh, a lot of people keep asking us to do uh, more live audience stuff, and so here we go. Uh, come on by. There'll be uh, some picnic tables to uh, have a seat, and uh, I, I'm I'm sort of guessing that seating will be limited. Um, so don't don't try and don't you know or try and arrive at the very last minute. We don't exactly know the times yet. We'll announce the times as we get a little closer, but expect it will be somewhat early on uh, Tuesday and Friday morning. Uh, out there on the flight line. Big thanks to all of our uh, Patreon supporters, uh, people who have uh, uh, been helping us out with the podcast, uh, and especially to the reward level folks who also get the after show um, that we record uh, immediately following this. So uh, uh, that's it. And we may come up with some more reward things for, for all Patreon supporters, but that's for the future. We'll see how that goes. Shout outs. You guys got any shout outs? What's going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. David, go first. I, I don't know which one you're going to pick first, but one of these I know is very close to your heart. Well, uh, the one I was going to pick was uh, it, which you conveniently put under the shout shout out bold. Was it the uh, 2019 Air Venture Oshkosh Notem is is now available? Became yep. available earlier this week. You can go to the website and download it. You can go to the website, the EAA website, and order a printed copy. Uh, you can do both. And if you like me, you hang on to them from one year to the next to just kind of look at them and see how much stuff has changed. And this year there's been enough changes that the EAA is actually saying there's a lot of changes this year. So yeah, get your note, Tam, even if you're not going. It's nice reading, and when you're listening to the show on uh, – on the uh, uh, Air Venture Radio stream or uh, liveatc.net, you can see the maps and the graphics and charts and say, oh, yeah, I know exactly where they're starting. And hey, that guy's not supposed to be flying there. Yeah. Sometimes the changes that happen on this notum from year to year are, are for parts of the procedure that are, are less commonly used. Um, but yeah, as you alluded to, David, this year, uh, at least some of the notable changes are involved in the, uh, the, um, the Ripon, um, arrival procedure, uh, has changed a little bit as my understanding. And, uh, as well as the procedures for diverting to Fond du Lac. And, uh, so, uh, you know, you always want to read all of this notum. You yeah. shouldn't just kind of figure it, but, but you especially want to pay attention. My understanding is that it got a little crazy out on the uh, Ripon Fisk arrival last year. Right. Um, in terms of uh, they 
because of the weather was odd, they kept putting people in holds out there. And then when the holds ended, it got a little chaotic with people trying to get back into the procedure. And so I understand that they've made some changes to how that works. Um, so, well, they had, they had proposed, and I just opened my copy here on, come on, catch up. Um, uh, yeah. crash on me. Um, it's been a few months, obviously, but since the uh, last year's show, um, that they proposed um, that that Fond du Lac diversion. That basically one of the things that they proposed was kind of a uh, an oval or or a triangle, uh, actually, uh, a flight path where um, you would meet. You know, join the arrival out to the southwest of Oshkosh, uh, fly to the northeast, and if, if for some reason you had to go around, um, then you would exit to the southeast and fly towards Fond du Lac, where you could branch off and either make the decision to fly back to the southwest and rejoin the arrival in an orderly fashion or divert to Fond du Lac. Now, I don't I haven't had enough time with this to know which which uh, right. of these procedures they implemented. So Yeah. So anyways, but you know, the only thing you should really be taking from us today is make sure you read the note yep. because um, even if you think you know it from past years, read it carefully because there's some changes in there to some fairly high traffic parts of it, I understand. Um, and heaven in the cockpit where you can reach it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, guys. It's always a blast to talk with you. Um, let's see if I can squeeze this in before the train comes again. Uh, my, two good, <laughs> my two good friends here. Uh, uh, that's uh, uh, Dave Higgin. Dave's an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for uh, London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? Oh, man. Uh, a lot of stuff. Uh I can't really add much to what we did last time. I got cover stories in this month's uh, avionics news. Uh, I've got some work coming out at the uh, Piper Owners and uh, Cessna Owners or their society. And uh, a uh, AV buyer, I'm doing two weekly buyers guides for them. And my usual features uh, coming up, uh, we'll be talking about evaluation of the 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 future stars of uh, the business jet community in the pre-owned market. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, where can people find out about all this stuff on the internet? Avbuyer.com for my work there. AEA.net for the avionics news stuff. Uh, and I confess, I have got to find a website. I've learned the website of the other folks. But you can find me on the Twitter machine at Real Higdon. Uh, otherwise, just... Google Dave Higdon and aviation because uh, there are others out there, a golf writer, a theoretical physicist, PhD. I'm not one of those guys. Yeah, that's what you say, but we're, you know, we're not convinced. Well, uh, you, know, you have to think about this. You never see both of them in the same room at the same time. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, and thank you, Jeb. It's a it's a blast getting together with yep. you. Uh, Jeb is a, a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? Not a thing. Well, yeah, except sending some invoices out and and a lot of paperwork. Good for and, you. We you, talked you, about we that talked last about week, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So all that's uh, getting starting to get tamped down, uh, and um, a lot of little projects around the house. Um, 
catching up with uh, the last three weeks of not being able to, the previous three weeks of not been able to do much. So, um, mm-hmm. enjoying, uh, enjoying life and, uh, getting ready for, uh, a couple of things. Um, um, and we can talk about one of them, uh, later. Um, okay. yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Where can people find out about all these things you're working on? On, uh, let's see. Well, aviation safety magazine dot, uh, dot com. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the anchor job, if you will. Uh, net, same as Dave. I've also got some, uh, some material coming out in their next issue. Um, let's see. Avweb, there's always stuff there. Uh, AIN online, occasional stuff there. And, uh, same thing for generalaviationnews.com. Yeah. Oh, 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 uh, what, what, what? Twitter machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On Twitter, you are Burnside J, and the magazine is Av Safety Mag. There we go. Perfect. Um, and uh, uncontrolled airspace is on Twitter as well. Uh, you can find uh, uh, UCAP on Twitter at uh, twitter.com/slash/class-g-airspace. Um, that's all one word, kind of bumped together. A class, the letter G, and then airspace um, is uh, is uncontrolled airspace. Uh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Um, I've, I'm in California. I'm, I'm actually out here for the, uh, uh, the the primary reason I came out was certainly to visit friends and, and hang out, but also to attend the uh, uh, Bay Area Makers Fair uh, up in San Mateo over the weekend. I'm looking forward to that. I don't, I don't know how many listeners are into the whole maker movement, but I'm going to spend Saturday and Sunday up there checking out uh, all of the, uh, the usually very, very cool uh craft and electronic stuff and uh, it's just all kinds of great um, art and also technology projects and businesses and you know makers it's it's a lot of fun if you're not familiar you, you ought to check it out um, it's got a lot of online stuff as well uh, you can find me online most places uh, by the username Jack Hodgson. That's my first and last name bumped together. Uh, YouTube.com uh, slash Jack Hodgson. Twitter slash Jack Hodgson. Patreon slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, search for Around the Field in Books. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? The key to losing your memory and losing your mind when there's not trains around is just <laughs> spend time flying because, well, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go fly. Y'all ever seen those old videos or, or converted to videos of, of early attempts to land an airplane on a train? Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they normally didn't end well. <laughs> okay. Final train. <laughs> <laughs>